0: Happy almost new year film fans. What's up? Welcome in to a very festive episode of the second day film podcast. It's the official podcast of the second day film club. It is December 31st 2022 the final day of 2022 and there's nowhere I'd rather be to start the day than here with my good buddy Mike Nichols. I'm Brandon Champion armed with a coffee in one hand and an old fashioned in the other And Mike, I don't know about you, but I've got some big plans today. So we are recording in the a.m. I think this might be our first ever morning pod, but we have successfully recorded a podcast every month of 2022. And I was not about to screw that up on the final day of the year. So I need some morning energy from you, buddy. But how was Christmas? And uh, you got big plans tonight?
1: Uh, Yeah, Christmas was great. And actually, I'm so glad you brought up Christmas. I have decided to give you your Christmas present on this pod you did you did not know this you did not know I was planning this I wasn't I able to I, I was not able to make it back from Austin to Grand Rapids this year for Christmas so I didn't give you your present but I'm going to give it to you right now so here we go three billboards outside of Ebbing Missouri is a fantastic 2017 crime drama <laughs> di- <and> directed <laughs> by Martin Mc, uh, McDonough uh it's about a missouri woman who rents three billboards uh to draw attention to uh her daughter's unsolved um rape and murder and uh this is a fantastic film uh francis mcdormand just crushes it woody harrelson crushes it sam rock crushes it peter dinklage crushes it like everyone in this movie does a fantastic job Uh, It deals it deals with really uh, deep themes such as like vengeance and uh, victimhood and, uh, you know, violence. And it's it just it asks these really good questions that these characters kind of explore through their choices and their action. And um, it's it's very funny, uh, surprisingly. I know it sounds like a very heavy story, but there's actually a lot of good humor in it. Um, it has like some sometimes like a Western vibe where the characters will like say something to each other and they some say and then say something even more badass to each other. It's it's good like that. There's a there's a lot of heart in this movie, especially through um, you know Francis McDormand, but also actually through Woody Harrelson's character who uh, writes a letter that kind of comes up throughout the story a lot and gives this beautiful speech about how the like the best like the best tool you need to be a detective is love. This is then completely. <laughs> Like shaken up while the person reading this letter about love is getting blown up by someone who's who's whose love has turned to anger. Uh and it's it's just a really well done film. Overall, I don't know what I think the final message is. Um, you know, do you just hey, do you just go out and commit vengeance against anyone who do you think wronged you? I don't know. Uh, but I I hope that the characters along the way can decide what to do. And that is kind of the ultimate question mark. It's like, hey, what are we going to decide to do with our own feelings of vengeance? So great movie, great performances. And I did not know that Francis McDormand and Peter Dinklage was the couple I've always wanted to see on screen. Fantastic film. I give it an A minus.
0: Thank you, Mike, for that wonderful present. I'm glad you finally watched it. For those that are wondering... Mike uh, lost out on our Oscars picks last year, so I got to pick a movie for him to watch, and he watched Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Better late than never. Thank you, Mike. That's a great <laughs> present, and it's it make it's apropos because we have a Martin McDonough film on the podcast today. That's so why we can yeah. uh, reference it. But I, I did look it up. Uh, that was the num. I had three Billboards Three billboards outside mm. Edmonton, Missouri, is <clears throat> my number two film of the decade when we did that show. Uh, I actually wrote a little review here. I'll just read it real quick. Francis McDormand is a ruthless, as a grieving mother, pressuring local police to solve a crime committed against her daughter. Its greatest strength is its script. The twists and turns in the small town drive a fresh narrative story in which a slew of wonderfully developed characters intertwine. Every person you meet feels like they should be there, and Ebbing, Missouri feels like a small town in the next county. Among them is Sam Rockwell, who gives the performance of his career as a disgraced deputy. When you think you know how it ends, you don't. Didn't have a better time at the movies in 2017. So, uh, yeah, obviously a, a very favorite of mine, and we will get to... Um, martin mcdonough's latest work uh later in this episode so mike appreciate you following through on your bet there uh before the new year uh is out appreciate everyone for listening here today we're going to review four films um most of which have come out fairly recently like within the last couple weeks here at least out on streaming and more widely to the masses so uh stuff you can watch uh after the new year and films that are pretty fresh on our mind uh you can like our facebook page at the second day film podcast you can follow us on twitter at second day film and our old episodes are on apple podcast spotify uh soundcloud among other places um but mike i got a big party coming over later to ring in the new year to ring in 2023 so i got to get this podcast produced recorded and uh get this house looking in order so let's get to it what do you say
1: let's do it happy new year's eve here we go
0: absolutely uh cheers to uh the people out there there i just cheers hey. the mic uh, I'll
1: cheers with my water bottle there you oh, go.
0: cheers uh, you're not drinking water all night though are you right you're, you're gonna switch uh, it up eventually
1: I, I maybe have a
0: bottle of champagne tucked away to do a toast <laughs> and sing some old lang syne all right well i'll send you a, a picture later and we can toast virtually um but we're gonna start out with amsterdam it is a film directed by david O. Russell. The plot summary, in the 1930s, three friends witness a murder, are framed for it, and cover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. Speaking of outrageous, this cast, Mike, holy cow, it is anchored um, by Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington, but... Others appearing as well, Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Timothy Oliphant, Andrea Rinsborough, Taylor Swift, Matthias Schoenertz, <laughs> Alessandra <laughs> Nivola, Rami Malek, yeah. Robert De Niro. Holy cow, I might yeah. just have this whole podcast uh, reciting the cast of this the movie. Ca-
1: the cast of this movie <laughs> is insane. Like, yeah. just that they got that many people,
0: like, who are all, almost all A-listers to do this. is yes.
1: just, it's wild.
0: To do bit parts, too. Like, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, like I just said Zoe Saldana she's in what like two scenes in the movie? yeah you know, pretty it's much like, yeah they're basically like okay I'll fork over you know some millions and you can come in and rec- and uh, perform for a couple of days and then we'll call it good but uh, you just mentioned with all those famous actors you know this plot is going to be sort of wild and all over the place and uh it could go in a lot of different directions it is anchored by those main three though and I think a strength of the film is the chemistry between those three. I, there's there's a lot of things about this movie that I didn't like, but I'll let you go first. What uh, give me a thought on Amsterdam?
1: Um, yeah, like there's stuff to like. There's stuff that doesn't work, but like I would say the cast is the strength. Their chemistry, their performances is the strength um eventually when when you finally get to what is the story about and the idea of you know fascism trying to take over america like in the 1930s like that's a very interesting theme to explore especially with everything going on our country right now so i love the cast i love the performances i love like the eventual theme that we get to and like how they explore that but everything in the middle. It's just a lot of plot. It just feels like, where is this going? Why is this happening? It's not building into anything. Like the main the main ending of the film is just kind of like, oh, like, well, this is interesting. I kind of wish we'd either had hints of this or like felt like the themes of the film were all building to something. It just kind of feels like a lot of different all right. Here's a new scene with these characters and here's the star cameo for it. All right. And now we're gonna jump to the next scene with these characters and here's the star cameo. Um it uh it doesn't have a good flow and it's a little disjointed story and even sometimes the tone, like it feels like some characters are doing a more serious film and some characters are trying to like make it a comedy. Uh I, I, I don't think that all the chemistry there did match with all the characters. Um I think the main three were fine, but uh yeah, other other things that sometimes just felt like there was just a disjointed sense of what movie are we making exactly? um so overall it was a bit like eh. you could have passed it but man that is a lot of great people to get in one movie to tell a story that wasn't as interesting as it could have been i don't know but uh yeah
0: it's maybe worth watching there's a lot going on in this movie and there's a lot to like though too. I mean, I, first of all, I think, I think it looks great. The cinematography, the production values are great. Uh, The sort of 1930s world that's brought to life. um, I think it's beautiful to look at. And I think the characters, like there's a lot of characters, obviously all these famous people are playing, you know, uh, I would say the characters are like well-conceived, they're unique, Mm -hmm. they're well thought out. I mean, Christian Bale in particular, I think, delivers a very strong performance as sort of the, the main like quirky doctor who's like under investigation from the medical board because he's like inventing medications and like trying to use them on people and he's trying to help his old war buddies like, you know, fix their faces and he's got a glass eye that keeps popping out and he's just has this sort of like hunched delivery and sort of weird demeanor about him which I I think he just absolutely crushes it like embodying this role and I think all the characters really you know whether it's Robert De Niro is like this you know stern but sort of like savvy old general or uh, you know Mike Myers and uh, Michael Shannon are pretty hilarious as like these salesmen that actually have a different ulterior motive and um, the characters just have like little quirks to them that are all really cool and unique and it sort of makes you feel like it's a real world that's lived in because like these people all sort of have their own little weird quirks to them. So i think they're cleverly conceived and i think there's plot points in this movie that are interesting, but like you said, it's just very sort of jumbled. It it sort of like just meanders through like your It's almost like you're meandering through a maze and you go into a room and you're like, oh, which famous person is going to pop up here? And then they'll do their little bit and then they'll move on to a different portion of the maze and there'll be another famous person there. And they'll do that, their little bit. But that little bit has nothing to do with the last bit. So therefore, it feels really jumbled. And you mentioned tones that are sort of going all over the place. It really feels like all these famous people film scenes at different points and in different places. And it doesn't feel like a cohesive film because of that. But there is good bits in here.
1: Uh, you know can i just say one thing about christian bale in this film this is the man who played like a badass terrifying batman and you're watching him in a scene look small and frail next to taylor swift like that like that that chameleon ability is next level and it really stood out to me in this movie that's like i'm watching christian bale and he does like He's just unreal. How much he can change his body, his voice, his his characteristics. His like, he's he's got to be like maybe the best actor of his generation. He's did so you good. laugh out
0: loud when Taylor Swift got hit by a bus? Because it, they played that <laughs> for laughs. They absolutely did. Like, they did. Well, <laughs> I was
1: I was sitting next to a person who, uh, well, I guess we weren't sitting next to each other because uh, I had COVID uh last week so we had to like w- Catherine and I watched this in like separate like I we were just like we texting each other about in, the and, elements. Yeah, hip hip play at the same time and and she <laughs> she was not happy to see Taylor Swift die. But uh I I I thought they played it for a laugh. And I did laugh. Sorry Taylor Swift. But <laughs> that goes back
0: to like the tonal stuff, like at times this feels like it's like trying to be like a sort of like goofy sort of satire almost. And then at other times it goes for like serious, like, oh, fascism trying to avoid the U.S. And uh, this guy has a tragic backstory and we need to examine it. And it did feel like kind of all over the place. And I just feel like ultimately this movie had a lot of good ideas, a lot of good things going for it. But it just didn't come together into like a cohesive piece of cinema and with the you know, it has a pretty lengthy runtime as well. And it just like the plot just sort of meanders. Like that's the only thing I can say about it. It it feels like it, it exists more to just be like, oh, look at all these famous people, more so than where it's actually trying to make like a good narrative structure.
1: You and- know what? I'm realizing that Christian Bale made two movies that came out this year that were both movies that he was incredible in, but the zany comedy ruined the movie. One was Amsterdam, one's Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's the same
1: problem. Technically the same problem with both films.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could say obviously Christian Bale's playing a completely different role in uh, Thor, oh, love and thunder, but completely,
1: uh, but still the same thing. Christian Bale does a great job. The movie's zany comedy and jumbled plot kind of ruins it though. And it came out in 2022.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, and then just like the plot itself in this, I mentioned how it's meandering, but when it does finally come together in the end, and it's really just like this, takeover coup plot i didn't really find it that interesting you know i was like we went through all this stuff and then this is the end game and this is the end and this is the climax and i don't know i just didn't really feel like it it built up to what it needed to yeah i see i do think that that is an
1: interesting subject to do a movie about like i mean there's a whole the the plot against america you know that miniseries by david simon like that kind of that that I would say take that takes that kind of theme more seriously. I would that was say really good by the way. Yeah, I don't know if got around to that. But. I still I still haven't seen it yet, but I know I I know what it's about, and I like I, that would be a film or this would be a film where I think it is an interesting plot. The idea of like the, like Americans who were trying to make America more like Nazi Germany and and like like what Benito Mussolini did like that is interesting to me. Uh, there's also a documentary by. Um, uh uh Ken Burns that came out recently about like um, like Americans who liked the Nazis in like the thirties yeah. and stuff I like that. I just want to clarify so, I think
0: that's an interesting idea. Yeah. I don't think that it was executed well in this movie to maybe yeah, exactly
1: yeah I, I would agree with that. Um also we're saying it's an interesting idea to explore. Not that we think it's a good thing that people <laughs> no, we're not on board to with make it.
0: America like Nazis. We don't like yeah. that.
1: But yeah, not- overall I'd give this film uh I'd give it a B minus. 'Cause it, it think- is everyone, it does good. It's always good to watch. Um, and it is, it it does, does come to an interesting conclusion, but overall, like the, some of the parts, like just didn't really work.
0: I gave it a six and a half out of 10, uh, mostly because of the performances and because of of the production values. Um, I think, you know, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie and, and John David Washington are definitely entertaining. They have good chemistry I would say as the trio when they're, you know, singing the random songs and sort of looking at each other and, Um, how they're like these very unlikely trio of friends that sort of find sort of kindred spirits in each other because they all have this sort of like weirdness to them and they sort of see each other and they stick together. And that idea of friendship and how they're going to go through all these challenges together is kind of fun. But I just think this movie could have been better than it was. And also we should mention uh, the off the outside the movie stuff involving David O. Russell, uh, just accusations. He's had a lot of stuff bad stuff uh surrounding him and uh, that probably didn't help this movie uh either at the box office where it bombed or uh with critic in critics eyes even though i do as much as i can to sort of separate that from the film itself but um just sort of another black eye for this film that probably when you look at that cast and the director had the potential to be a lot more so uh Mm -hmm. i would say slightly disappointing for amsterdam but i believe it is on hbo max now if you want to check it out some good performances if nothing else um Moving forward to another film that has a huge ensemble cast, um, and I think that does a better job sort of utilizing that ensemble cast than Amsterdam did. Uh, it's a film that just came out on Christmas Day or, or maybe the, the, the uh, day before on Netflix. It's Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, or as Ryan Johnson would just like us to call it, Just ni- uh, Glass. Glass Onion. He didn't, he, yeah. Yes, And I would like that too I hate that we have to serialize everything these days I'm with him on that um, But famed southern detective Benoit Blanc Travels to Greece for his latest case This is the sequel to the uh, film Knives Out uh, Which came out I think in 19 A few years ago now uh, A film that both of us enjoyed And I believe I reviewed it on this pod I don't remember yeah. if you reviewed that one with me Mike Did we do I, that one together?
1: I don't remember but I, I really enjoyed uh, the original Knives Out I thought it was great
0: um, so yeah, as I mentioned, huge cast in this one as well. Daniel Craig returns as Benoit Blanc, he's the only returning character. We've got a new cast of characters: uh, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein. That's sort of the main, uh, sort of uh, burst. I think we have there's a couple cameos in here too, though. That, that just pop in, doesn't like Richard Gere or uh. Uh, uh, Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke, yeah. yeah, Ethan hawk's like
1: randomly coach. in there. Is there like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. which I'm like, are they going to acknowledge this or no? It's just going to Ethan hawk's just the creepy guy getting him on the boat. Okay, we're just going. Appar- with a, this Apparently, but...
1: Joseph Gordon-Levitt vo- voices the clock, okay. the, like the dong or something. Oh, the That's...
0: gong, <laughs> yeah, it's apparently
1: Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
0: Um. So yeah, like I said, sequel to Knives Out, a film both of us liked. Um. I, this movie, I think, does a lot of the same things well that that first film did well, where it has a a sort of non-narrative structure that I think really – or non-linear narrative structure that I think helps uh, make the movie a lot more entertaining because we basically yeah. like watch everything unfold and then we'll have a flashback and then we'll go back and see how we Benoit Blanc was getting all the clues along the way. And the thing I love most about these movies, Mike, is if you really want to sit there and break down and analyze these movies – you can sort of get on the same track that Benoit Blanc does because all the clues are there. I mean, it's, it's complicated, obviously. Um, But again, with just like the first one, the the end uh, sort of destination isn't really the point. Like I think nobody would be surprised when we find out who the killer actually is, but these movies are more about like the journey to get there. And because of that, I think it makes it a really fun watch.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm glad to see R- Ryan Johnson getting more into like murder mystery because I think that he is amazing with trying to like tr- like kind of trick the audience or like show them things they don't realize they're seeing and then flip it up on its head and show it to them again in a new light, which is literally what this movie is. Like the whole first, like I don't know, half or two thirds of the film is you watching this story play out and then we cut back to like a couple of weeks before and suddenly something else is revealed. And then it takes you back through the movie again with this new reveal. And you're like, Oh, and like it all kind of like brings it together and, and reveals you see everything stuff in to a new light. Yeah. And then you do see little things you noticed before. They're like, "Oh yeah, I did notice that." Oh yeah, and even like the reveal of uh, spo- uh, we're gonna spoil some things here, so just a heads up. Um, Watch the movies
0: before you listen to this podcast. I don't. I, yeah, I don't say yeah, that anymore, but, but it, we but always there's are. a
1: way that there's uh, someone literally uses a, I know the, the name is Glass Onion, but someone literally uses a glass where I watched it once and I was like, I took note of it because I was like, okay, like I like watching mystery films and I do try to like pick up on little things. Like the camera technically showed that. And I did notice the thing about the glass at first. And then the second time they showed it, I was like, oh, maybe I saw it wrong. Okay. But then they went back and showed the original photo. I was like, no, I did see it right. Like that excited me so much with that. He did little things like that. Um, and yeah, like we talked about Amsterdam and the cast, like kind of feeling all over. This cast feels like perfectly casted perfectly written like it's so well done each character is unique each character has motivations each character has like some different kind of you know personality quirk or or, or their thing you know and it, it's all just satirizing different like obnoxious aspects of you know the wealthy class shall we say um it does a really good job it almost kind of feels like white lotus a little bit like it's like oh a bunch of rich people in paradise who can't be happy and they're all and then and, and and somehow there's going to be a murder you know like, they did feel like a little bit like watching white out uh white lotus the movie but uh oh and there's even like uh you know a bitter assistant who's like oh i'm stuck with these horrible people you know just like uh <laughs> yeah. uh yeah Haley lee richardson but um yeah like i i thought this was a great movie it's nice to see ryan johnson like get to flex his like comedy mystery muscles a little bit because i think he's always had those like and now he's like getting some more experience with making like larger budget films and now he can really just let loose with it and he's doing a masterful job i love these films um Um, very good very good modern like he takes the agatha christie model which i did grow up watching like a lot of agatha christie stuff like poirot and like he takes the agatha christie model and really knows how to adapt it well to like you know 2022 um so a really good job on his part
0: yeah i saw a lot of people sort of comparing um you know like the people in the movie to sort of like archetypes of of the super wealthy you know like one yeah. percenters that we have now you know Bezos right. and donald trump and elon musk and people like that right, I think, yeah i think ryan johnson came out and sort of like Uh, particularly with um, Edward Norton's character who sort of is like just this rich guy who has all this extravagant stuff that like is pointless and sort of the product of like half-baked ideas like you know the robot carrying the luggage or just he has like a gong person for the heck of it or he literally like has his car up in his room with him because he has nowhere to drive it on the island so he's just like I'm gonna have a room for the car it's like I, it's you could easily look at like Elon Musk and how he's like buying Twitter seemingly on a whim and like throwing, you know, random ideas at the wall and putting Twitter polls out there for people to decide how he runs his company and just, you know, seemingly having, doing all this stuff on a whim, you could see how you could compare it to that. I think Ryan Johnson came out and said, oh no, that was actually just a coincidence. I wasn't actually trying to like satirize Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, but it was just kind of crazy timing. So yeah. he kind of downplayed that a little bit, but it's easy to look into it that way. The cast is what steals it for me in this. I mean, I, I think that the mystery I liked more in the first Knives Out, I think it had a little bit more layers to it. But, but, even though this one has a glass. That, yeah, I think that one had a little more nuance to it. I That one sort of jumped around a little bit more. And maybe it's just because we hadn't seen it at that point that it felt more unique you know this is kind of like a retread with a new mystery um so i, I think i kind of liked that from that aspect more but daniel craig as benoit Blanc is just like i could watch this guy all day man oh like, yeah he's he is so good and just like his like how he's just interested in like the littlest things like how do you do that there why do you do that there but you can tell like he's trying to act all benevolent but really the wheels are just turning in his head, like at all times. And just when we get to the scenes where he's like basically doing the Sherlock Holmes act, where he's like, you know, explaining everything, running it down and his delivery is just so fantastic. And uh, to have him anchor these movies, I think really, really makes these infinitely watchable. And then if I was going to point out someone else in the cast, *Stood*, I thought Kate Hudson, Uh, I haven't really seen Mm -hmm. her acting this well in a long time. I mean, she's known for rom-coms and whatnot, but uh, she really just owns that role of birdie as like this, sort of insensitive like you know celebrity who's just sending out <laughs> tweets and not realizing why it's offensive and, and <laughs> thinks that a sweatshop is because they make <laughs> sweatpants which <laughs> just feels like you know yeah. she's like a i don't know kind of like a Kardashian archetype maybe but mm-hmm. um i just think that her, her, those two sort of stood out to me i mean did anyone else uh, in the plot that really caught your eye but um i
1: maybe. thought i thought madeline klein is whiskey Duke's girlfriend, uh, also just because I don't know her. Like, obviously, I know who Daniel Craig is, Edward Norton. You know, uh she's Catherine. Mann, and, I have uh, a yeah. That I I she was just a an actress I'd never seen before, and I was like, wow, this person is really holding her own with these really big names, and she's making me suspicious of her. Like, she's putting enough nuance into the performance where it's like I could just see her as this like you know young young kind of woman who's caught up with these crazy characters and then over her head and doing her best or maybe she's the most vicious one of all i don't know like i like i just thought she did a good nuanced job but yeah like everyone else you mentioned uh you know Kay hudson was amazing uh edward norton i thought also was pretty good um uh david batista was you know he was he was fine uh but but all of them were amusing i think i actually felt Like Knives Out was great, but I think Glass Onion for me, the characters were I don't know if likable is the word, but they were just more amusing to me. Um but I thought I thought the real standout actually was I mean Daniel Craig was good, but I thought uh Janelle Robinson, uh she was Janelle Monet, you mean? Or yeah, sorry, Janelle Monet. Um yeah, she crushed it. Uh I thought she was the most interesting performer in the whole film. Like watching her do these two characters who both felt very, very much like two different characters. Like she uh she I thought I thought she was a standout for me. She crushed it.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's just it's a pretty fun watch, you know, to, to sort of just watch the the ignorance of the one percent sort of eat each other alive <laughs> because mm-hmm. of suspicion and yeah. uh, greed and ambition. Uh, yeah. For normal people like us, that's going to be entertaining to watch. And and Benoit Blanc just sort of being the outsider, observing the whole thing and sort of being like the audience conduit in a way, uh, just because he's basically doing the same thing we are when we're watching the movie. So I think it's just fun to sort of have like a character in the movie that is basically us you know mm-hmm. i think that's why these movies work because it almost feels like you're watching it's like an interactive experience yeah. it's like you're you know they make references to the board game clue in the movie and we talk about how Benoit Block is like terrible game <laughs> Which i just yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I find it <laughs> hilarious that the world famous detective thinks clue is a stupid game that <laughs> just cracks me up but mm-hmm. uh, you know they almost make reference to it's like you're basically like playing a game while watching this movie and i think that's why they're entertaining and i believe we are going to get another one at least cuz i think netflix signed on with ryan johnson for a two film uh, sort of thing. So, you know, I think they can keep these coming as long as they're fresh um, and interesting, you know, it, they need to, you mentioned liking this cast a little bit more than the first one. I think that's because in the first one, they, it was all one family and they were all like this stuffy snobby family that all sort of were different, but had sort of the same character flaw. Whereas in this one, all the characters sort of have different flaws. So it feels a little bit more eclectic and relatable in that way. So, yeah, I think they can keep making these as long as the mysteries remain unique enough and the the act doesn't get old because it's going to get harder and harder to continue to trick people as the more of these movies you make
1: yeah well i think he can do it i think he's very talented it's nice to see him rebound from you know last jedi but he's he's a great filmmaker i really do believe that and i i think he's he's found a great niche with these films i'm happy for ryan johnson i give this one uh i give it an a
0: I'm at a 7.5 fi- 7. out of 10. Like I said, I think I like the original just a little bit more. Again, because I think it was so unique when I saw it. I just hadn't really seen a Who done in that way. So uh, I give that one an 8, I think. So just a little bit lower uh, for, for Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. But it's on Netflix now, and it's absolutely worth a watch. It's definitely a good time at the movies. Whew. All right, let me take a sip of my old-fashioned here. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> Happy New Year. Uh, (laughs) yes it is not even noon and i'm drinking an old-fashioned don't judge me Uh,
1: hey you know it's five o'clock somewhere
0: exactly um maybe it's five o'clock on It seems like it's always five o'clock there buddy based on that pub uh but moving on we mentioned we were going to talk about another martin mcdonough movie and mike i'm glad that you watched um three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri because i think it will give you a better idea of the kind of films martin mcdonough makes you mentioned in that review that it's it's serious stuff going on on screen, but it's funny. Uh, that's pretty much the same vibe here for Banshees of Inishirin. Uh It tells the story of two lifelong friends who find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. As I mentioned, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Uh, this film, unlike these previous two films, has a pretty um, you know small cast anchored by Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleason as the two friends, Carrie Condon and uh, what's the guy's name? Barry Keegan are the other two sort of main players in this movie. And, and really, other than that, you just have some supporting guys. Mike, I think we might have had sort of different reactions to this movie because I watched it and was raving about it and going crazy and being like, you got to watch this movie. But then I was in Avatar and I got out and I get to a text message and you're like, I just watched that. What the heck? And then you sent me a crying face. <laughs> I'm like, so, uh, you know, I've got some thoughts here, but um, did Banshees make you cry?
1: Uh, it did not make me cry, but it did make me sad because... I, well, first off, I should say, yeah, I love I love this director and I love these two actors together, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, in Bruges was like, I, was, I loved that movie. I had such a kick watching it when I watched it like years and years ago. But uh, so, I was, so I was really looking forward to this movie. And um, it's set at the end of like the Irish Civil War in the 1920s, which is, I think actually probably the theme of what this film is about. I think this is a very symbolic film so the characters maybe will make more archetypal choices than like personality or character driven choices although it does still feel very character driven um i do think a lot of this film at least the way i interpreted it is meant to be kind of symbolic um and i think it probably has to do with the irish civil war i don't really know much about that war (laughs) to be honest but uh, it does feel like this is a civil war between two people who are both Irish and both friends. And now they're turning against each other and the conflict is leading to, you know, sadder and sadder outcomes. So mm-hmm. it, it really starts out with um, Colm. Who's uh, Brennan Gleeson tells his friend, uh, Patrick that he's uh, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. I'm it's just not. not, I'm not... Yeah. and it, 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 it's so kind of funny and cute at first. Cause like, you know, here you've got like you know Brendan Gleeson and Carl, Colin Farrell acting. Are you like, Rowan? Uh, yeah, I don't think we're Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> they're acting like they're acting like like six year olds. Like I don't want to be your friend anymore. Like that's literally what they're doing. And it's like, but why? And it's so cute and so sweet to watch uh, Patrick like trying to get back his friend and stuff. And like everyone's like, oh, what happened? Like we're on your side. You know, it has a lot of those cute like Irish. Uh, you know, themes of those small, those small Irish villages. It's really, really fun in that sense. But then as the film goes on, like it starts to get really intense. Where he's like, If you don't, if you come near me, I've told you to stop like stop trying to talk to me. I don't want to be your friend. If you come near me, I'm gonna cut my fingers off. And he starts doing it. And then like animals get killed. Like the cute pets are dying. And it's like, wait, what is how like this movie went for me? And it's like Cute little Irish story to now being like this very sad, dark like drama where like now friends are turning against each other. Now he's like, I'm gonna burn down your home. I don't care if you're in it. And then like like it just by the end, I'm like they they're finally there. Spoilers, obviously. Um, they're finally there at the beach. And he tells him like you know I'm sorry for like the death I caused. And the other one says to him like like well that doesn't mean this has ended. It this only it only our feud now would only end if you'd have stayed inside like the house that burned. And then as he turns to leave, he's like oh hey thanks for looking after my dog, anytime. And it's like what is what is this? This is so sad. Like why why did this turn into this? Awful thing, which I think is supposed to be. Yeah, that's that's the Irish Civil War to them. It's like these people who could have loved each other are now turning on each other. Escalation of violence turns into the loss of innocence. And now we can never really like each other again. Um, all because you just stopped being my friend for no good reason, and we never really do find out the reason. I think that also frustrated me a little bit. Like his reasoning that he gave was just like, you know, what? I just don't want to keep talking, like you know, talking shit with my friend all day. I want to like make great music before I die and like be remembered as something great. Which I get as a creative, I kind of get that a little bit. Like there's times where I, I do wonder, am I wasting my life when I could be like, you know, writing a great novel? But really, I don't think I'm capable of writing a great novels. So anyway, but um, yeah, like. I never I wish we'd really nailed into like yeah but why is this guy he's cutting off his fingers and he wants to write music like why and this is why I I think think you hit it
0: though I think you hit it it's not meant to be taken literally
1: exactly I think it's it's symbolic this is why so overall it's a it's a really great movie it's interesting because it's like not a franchise it's not something you're like oh this is another adaptation this is like This movie, like, you really don't know what's going to happen. You're like, I've never seen anything like this. Or I haven't seen anything like this in a while where it's just these two guys on on this island. And one tells him he won't be his friend anymore. And you don't know why. And, like, that's an interesting setup. So, overall, I really enjoyed watching this film. But by the end, I was not left feeling anything but just, like, sadness and frustration and... Uh, which it would, and, I guess if he's wanting me, if Martin McDonough wants me to feel good, but uh, yeah, it was not, it was like the opposite of a feel good film. This is a feel bad film. And I was like, ah,
0: I, didn't, yeah, I, like see, that. I didn't, I didn't have those sad feelings that you did because I think I was like, this is, it's, it was so entertaining to watch. And I just like, these friends have basically decided that like, oh, we're at an impasse and we're just going to go about this forever. I don't know. It's like, I wasn't taking the things that were actually happening on screen, literally. I mean, I did get sad when Jenny the donkey died, obviously. But I'm oh, just yeah. like, but like, I think you were onto something with sort of, it's symbolic, you know, because we, throughout the movie, we see, you know, scenes of the mainland and like gunfire going yeah, off or cannons or whatever. And yeah, you hear and in you in the hear the, yeah. the strife going on in the outside world. Whereas Inishirin is on this island and they're sort of like away from the right. war. But what we see unfold on screen is sort of like a microcosm version of the war so like it's like okay you have these two people that randomly you know they're from the same village they're friends they start fighting with each other and now they're having like these random tiffs on the island that is sort of representing the larger scope of things but the movie yeah while there's some sad stuff going on i just found it so entertaining to watch like and a lot of that is with the script and the the delivery from the two actors but but this sort of like it has sort of like this, like right from the jump, what I'm talking about, you know, are you rowing? I don't think we're rowing. Maybe we're rowing. You know, there's sort of like this repeating nature to the script where they're like sort of doing like this call and return thing, like an echo effect of each other and characters are doing all the time. Like one will say something and then the next character will say the same exact thing, but with a different inflection. And it just makes like the whole experience of watching these characters in the village interact with each other so entertaining because it's just like... Like they're talking about something serious but they'll be like just bouncing it back and forth off each other like a ping pong ball that it becomes entertaining and, and humorous you know yeah so like I, I don't know and then at the end they're just kind of like okay we did all this stuff where it's like we have these these two friends that are fighting with each other and they they don't really know how to fully express their emotions and uh they don't yeah. even know why they're fighting half the time it's just like i just don't like you and brendan gleason's like I'm searching for something more. I need more inspiration. I need to write songs, but at the same time, he's cutting off his fingers so he can't write music anymore. Yeah, exactly. So so it's like, they're almost like, it's like this tragedy of errors where these two people just like one of them wants to be with him so bad, but he doesn't really know why. And the other one doesn't want to be with the other guy so bad, but he doesn't really know why. And it just, it all leads up to this comedy of errors. And I think that sort of, you know, it's sort of like a, a tragic sort of comedy way of looking at what's going on in the outside world. So I, yeah. I just thought that that was a super clever movie. The the two performances I haven't seen in Bruges. I got to watch that. It's um, so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. But these two together are just amazing. And I don't know what it is, man. Maybe it's just because we're Americans, but Irish accents just I freaking love them, man. Like it just makes it more entertaining to me.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's great. I like. I love like little Irish movies or movies about like just the little quaint but like naughty little things that like small Irish towns get up to. It's uh, like, it always has like a sweetness to it, which is why this one feels like oh wow, this one did not go in the direction of sweetness. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually like a, a couple other performances of this felt like Colin Farrell. The sense of humor that he infused in his character is just brilliant. I thought the so line deliveries. Pathetic. He was so, so good. The other person that really stood out, I mean, Brendan Gleason was great, of course, but Carrie Condon, uh, mm-hmm. the sister Siobhan, absolutely fantastic. Like, she was so, so like funny and caring. And like, the, the more annoyed she was getting at these men, you, like, you just felt for her. And She's like, I can't
0: do this anymore. I'm leaving. Yeah, it was done so,
1: with like, you. it was both genuine anger that was very relatable and very real. And yet the way it was done was so funny at the same time. It was. And I, I had never really, really
0: seen her it. in anything other than uh, she plays um, in Better Call Saul. She's, yeah. she's uh, um, Mike's son's wife.
1: Well, I face- used to love there's an HBO show called Rome and she was one of the main characters in Rome and she was great in that and Ro- Rome, Rome is that. like one of the most underrated shows on HBO. It was basically like Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. It's so good. Only ran two seasons cuz it got too expensive to make and also the characters were like or the actors were basically going everywhere. But yeah, she, I I knew her from that and she's also um she's the voice of Friday in uh the Iron Man movies when he oh, like it's yeah. the new AI. So yeah, she's 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 around and she's a fantastic actress. So I hope this like I hope this like kind of blows her up a bit more, and she gets more attention because I, I, I would love could, to see her in more stuff. She's I could great. see
0: all four of the main cast people getting a nom, an Oscar nom for this because Barry Q. Q. and Keegan uh, was also great as the as the tragic kid who's just sort of yeah you know, the town misfit, and you know tragedy happens to him. That was legitimately sad, but oh, yeah, that was. Sad, I think yeah. the movie is like I really just think it's sort of like in addition to the symbolic stuff, it, it's sort of just trying to analyze like males and how they can't deal with their loneliness and they can't right. deal with their emotions and because of that they lash out in the most ridiculous yeah. of ways and, and at the, the same need, time, the, yeah. that th- just the need for connection and not knowing how to do it and i think at the same time you know their sort of battle sort of represents the larger battle going on in ireland um yeah it's sort of like a and sort of represents that there's probably a lot of men around that country at that time that feel lonely and isolated and you know people they were once friends friends with are now enemies and it's probably sort of a reflection on that, but at its heart, this movie is really just a simple story that takes a dark turn, but is wildly entertaining to watch along the way. Uh, I have it as, as one of my favorite movies of the year, um, and I gave it a 9 out of 10, Mike, which I don't give a lot of nines, you know, on this podcast. That's as high as I go. So I just loved watching it so much. And and Martin McDonough, the way that he can mix tragedy with comedy uh, is is uncanny. So uh, he's quickly becoming one of my favorites.
1: Yeah yeah he's fantastic so it was after I saw banshees that I was like okay i i'm gonna I'm gonna knock out uh three billboards before the end of the year one because I want to get there's you a correct- lot of similarities yes to- that's what I was about to say there's actually a lot of similarities between these two films and you can see it in his writing and frankly there's similar similarities in in bruges too I like let me know if you watch that and what you think of that I really love that film but uh one last thing I'll say about this movie um i it was very I you you talked about like the way the movie kind of ha- had some confrontations for men about like, Hey, men deal with your problems in healthier ways. And, and I, I agree with, I agree with that message and I agree with the way it was portrayed. It was, it was wonderful, but there was something about Brendan Gleeson's character that really stood out to me in this movie where he, the, the reason he ultimately gives for why I'm just going to not be friends with you anymore. It, he kind of gives a twofold reason. One, you're just too nice and boring. Like, you're too dull for me. Yeah.
0: But then the I'm other dull.
1: reason he gives. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, you're good. I, I just he just keeps asking people if he's dull. And everyone yeah. just keeps telling him you're a nice guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so funny. But it, but that leads into it. Like, so he then tells him he gives him a second reason of like, you know, I I realize life is short and I really want to make like great music before before my life is over. Like and I won't really have the energy or the time to do that. If I'm just down at the pub with you, you know, talking talking about dumb things all day, and so there's like this arrogance of the only way you really last or the only way you're really important is if you create great art behind you, and I've I've been guilty of holding on to that mindset for too long um, in my life sometimes, and and I, I definitely have struggled with that thought process in my life of even my own self worth of like if I'm not creating great art if i'm not writing things like if i'm not creating something that can last behind me like did my life really matter am i really that important am i all that great of a writer or an artist or whatever like that's a very real issue that i think i haven't really seen portrayed a lot and felt whiplash i think did a good job with it but it was nice to kind of like see that explored a little bit and also then kind of confronted as there's a there's some flaws to that mindset and at least and my favorite moment of the whole movie is when he can, is when Patrick confronts him about it, and he goes in and he says, "You know what? I'm nice, and there's nothing wrong with being nice. And you're not nice. And like his whole speech about how like the most important thing is actually just being nice. I was like, it melted me. Like I was very moved by that speech. And uh, yeah, I, I would say to anyone who feels like you want to do big things in life, this is a good movie to remind you that like being nice is the biggest thing you can do." And that'll that'll shape every other impact you have, whether it is a creative impact that lasts beyond you or a business that lasts beyond, you or a family that lasts beyond you. Just like the, the choices you make to be nice to other people, like that's the ultimate legacy you'll leave in life. And I haven't always done a good job of that. And this movie made me want to do better. So thanks. Go, I, I give this movie an A minus just because the ending was so sad for me. Like everything else in this movie is an A. In and,
0: 2023, I vowed to be less of an asshole, Mike, just because of that speech and because of this film right there. That's what's yeah. up. Yeah, be nice, people.
1: <laughs> I know. The, the tagline of this movie should just be, be nice. That'd be so funny. I think that's great. taken. Great job, everyone. <laughs> great job. Uh,
0: yeah, anyways, Banshee's of Inisherin. It's on HBO Max right now. I would highly recommend everyone checking it out. And I would expect, expect this movie to collect a host of Oscar noms uh, here in, in a few months. So. Also,
1: Champ, I have great news for you. It is officially, well, it's four it's four fifty six PM in Ireland right now. So you asked with this all started, because I you were, I was like, Hey, you know, you're drinking in the morning, it's five o'clock somewhere. And you're like, hey, maybe it's five o'clock in Sharon. <laughs> and as soon as you said that, I just like Googled, what time is it in Ireland right now? And it was like when we started, it was like four like forty or something PM. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so funny. By the time we get done reviewing this movie, it literally will be five five o'clock in Ireland. Yeah, and, and it is you- right now.
0: Hadrick would be in the pub already. Right yeah, because so,
1: it's 1056 uh, it's AM CT time here in Austin. I think it's like 1156 there for you right now. But it is officially five o'clock in Ireland now. So cheers, man. You're good.
0: <laughs> Let's go, baby. Go, cheers baby. To the of I'll, I'll drink with you two. Cheers. Day. Drink a cup uh, of kindness. yeah all right let's move on to the final film we're going to review today it's one of the most anticipated films of the year it's avatar the way of water james cameron's long-awaited sequel to the 2009 record-breaking spectacle avatar it follows the story of jake sully who lives with his new family formed on the extrasolar moon pandora once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started jake must work with natiri in an army of navi to protect their home um, this film once again stars Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana, Stephen Lang, Joel David Moore, CCH Ponder, Giovanni Ribisi, D-Lip Rao, and Matt Gerald. reprieve roles along with Sigourney Weaver. Kate Winslet, Cliff Curtis, Edie Falco, and Jermaine Clement uh, are in new roles. And there's also a lot of child actors who I haven't really seen in a lot of stuff, but they do some wonderful uh, voice acting and motion capture acting in this. Uh, Mike avatar, I just went and saw this in IMAX 3d, uh, with my buddy, the film started at nine 30 at night. So I didn't get out of there till one in the morning. Um, but, um, avatar, you know, we go see, we go to see these movies for the spectacle. You got to see this movie on the big screen to get its full impact and man, oh man, like we can talk about the plot. We can talk about the characters, but from a visual standpoint, just, I mean, these movies are breathtaking. They're unbelievable the way they look.
1: Yeah, I I remember watching this movie and I was like everything in my brain is telling me what I'm watching is real. I know this cannot be because these are giant blue smurf aliens and they're like running around on like dragonfly like pike fish and yet my brain is like, "Yep, that's what that looks like." Like it 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 tricks your brain so much into thinking everything you're watching is real. Like this was like they this is probably the best cGI special effects i've I've ever seen in my life in a movie. It's so good, and it's so beautiful. like you want to go there. you're like, man, I would I would want to go swimming there. like it looks so fun, like it's so beautiful like they they immerse you like in this water world that is just breathtaking and beautiful, and it's it looks enough like you know our water worlds on earth that you you feel you're in a familiar territory and yet the little updates they make the little extra details they make to make it more beautiful more alien it's just it's breathtaking like he's created the coolest like sci-fi like planet that you'd want to go to ever it's great it
0: it basically trade in uh what the amazon rainforest for more of like a polynesian hawaiian sort of feel in this one and uh, it's just crazy i mean like You know, whether whether it's like the neon that is showing up on the Navi's faces or in the world around them or the rain that is on their skin, like in water, outside of water. I mean, the way that it just sort of runs off their skin, they look completely believable and real. Uh, The the wildlife you mentioned, sort of the pike dragonflies, but you've also got, you know, these whale creatures that are uh, essential to the plot. And also, you know, the, I forget what they're called, but the, sort of the flying animals from the last film. Mm-hmm. I'm like, with these Avatar movies, because there's more sequels planned, which makes me a little nervous. I feel like this might run tired eventually. But are they just going to, like, shift the scene? Like, are the, are the next one's going to be, like, up on a mountaintop in yeah. snow? Or are we going to yeah. be, like, in the desert with the desert Navi? Is that is that how this is going to work moving forward? But just the the sprawling battle scenes, the sinking ship in this, uh, the the action fight choreography. Like, I feel like it could be so clunky when you have this much CGI and you've got like these huge blue aliens that are fighting against human characters at times and against uh, humans that are controlling robots and then blue on blue fights because the bad guys have actually figured out, Oh, this might work better if we do the same thing that they're doing. You think they would have thought of that the first time around. Uh, But um, so like just the fight choreography is amazing. Uh, It's thrilling. And this movie has a runtime of over three hours. Yeah. I guess there's times when it drags a little bit and, they actually do spend a little bit of time on character development, but they should spend more time. We can talk about that in a sec. Um, but it, I didn't really felt it drag because the, a- the action sequences are just so, so captivating when you're watching them.
1: Yeah. It definitely feels like what if a mini series was a movie? Like, I, I think I had to go to the bathroom like three times during this film. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a long one. So if you go see this in theater or you can watch
0: diet Coke, Mike.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a long one and it it does feel like this could have been broken up into like you know four episodes of a of a cool <laughs> Disney Plus series or something i don't know but it 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 is like you never bored watching it like it's uh the action sequences or or the water sequences like you know they are they're just they're so visual and yeah there's actually uh there's some good character development with like some
0: what, yeah I- there's, I think the kids. Not... I think I think the kids. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. But no, no, you're some, good. You're some good. kid. I think the kids because there's four of them, right? And we're sort of thrown into it right away. Like, oh crap, there's four kids here. How am I gonna? They're all blue, and they really do work to differentiate the four. And they all have sort of their own character traits and character flaws. Jake and Atiri get a little bit more. The thing that I will push back on the character development is the bad guys are just too bad. You know, we talked about the general. Th- colonel tavington from the patriot a couple pods ago and how he's just like pure evil yeah the the, the humans in this are just like they're just evil just just kind of for the sake of being evil like we're gonna burn every tree we're gonna kill every animal we're gonna destroy everything you know they're just almost a little bit too comically bad for me i wish we yeah we get this sort of like bit part about how they're mining these whales for their brain power because we want to live forever and earth is dying but I don't know, like, I-, I wish there was some of these human characters that were a little bit more, like, um, you know, a little more uh, nuanced in their sort of evil, good ways. Because the general himself is just so comically bad that it's like, I don't know, it feels like we could do better for, for from the villain character development standpoint.
1: Yeah, I thought it
0: was interesting that we didn't even get a new villain.
1: Like, Same the guy, villain in the last... Right. Yeah, like the villain in the, in the last movie is is Stephen Lang, does a great job. He's like this, you know,
0: badass, evil, like... Mil- whoop. Oh, sorry, was I muted? No, I accidentally did. I meant to mute myself and I muted you, my bad.
1: Oh, no worries. Uh, but yeah, like the villain in the last one is Stephen Lang. He's like a, a, a badass, evil, military, like villain archetype, which fine, that works for the story and uh and this one and then he gets killed in the end you're like all right like that's that's the ending to that character they defeated him and this one it's like nope same dude but this time we've cloned him and he's back as an avatar Ooh, it's like oh really we couldn't do a different villain like we couldn't explore more or maybe have the villain itself be one of the the neva like or the, the navi or something um did you, but, did you just uh, think about so like, little, how I was a little tired, but uh, it, it wasn't bad. It was fine. It was just like, oh, okay, I guess we're just doing this again.
0: <laughs> you think about how like this is a three-hour movie, right? But if you actually think about the plot of the movie, there's are not much going on. Like <laughs> the yeah. plot itself, they basically they leave their fortress, they go to the island. And then they fight, you know, it's like three hours long and that's the plot. And it's like, I love how the island people are like, you brought this to us. I'm like, oh, well, that wasn't predictable. And the other thing I don't understand is like, after some point, why is this general so concerned about Jake Sully? Because like, he's like, what is killing him going to do at this point? Because he's already exiled from his tribe. He's basically just a refugee at this point. Like, if they do uh conquer their goal or finish their goal and and destroy jake and his family like what does that really solve how does that change their sort of mission on this planet i I guess i sort of thought about i'm like they're putting a lot of emphasis on this but i'm not sure why it really matters in the whole big grand scheme of things
1: because this time it's personal (laughs) so that like that is about like as much of like, I will say, as beautiful as these movies are, as much as they engage you with the world of, of Pandora, like, the stories, the plot, even the dialogue is pretty simple.
0: It's pretty I laughed basic. when they were talking to the whales like they're like humans. Uh, and was like Your yeah. son is so beautiful. And the whale's like, yes, thank you. I've been spending many seasons working to bring like that whale is so dead. Like they are setting us <laughs> up for that. Whale like I'm like, I told my buddy coming into this. I'm like, I think some CGI animals are going to die in this. And I'm definitely going to cry. Like it's, yeah. it's going to bug me. And I'm like, Oh, sure enough. We get a whole prolonged poaching scene where they're like messing with their echolocation and like shooting them with harpoons. And just to make it sting a little more, once that scene's over, they go, Oh, these are highly intelligent beings doing mathematics. And it's like, okay, we get it. You want us to feel like shit. I'm like, I don't need this extending poaching, poaching, scene i get you're trying to make us like care for the characters and making us angry and and you got to do that kind of stuff but i'm just like why, why do we need this half hour poaching scene telling us how <laughs> intelligent these whales are like i'm like save the whales mike save the whales i
1: know yeah like, it was kind of funny and that's jermaine jermaine clement's in the scene which was so random i was like wait what is what is flight of the concords doing here it was great and one like, guy's just
0: like i'm gonna kill them all yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, yeah, like, it was, uh, yeah, like, and th- I think that that issue is also, like, maybe why I didn't enjoy the first Avatar as much, because it's, like, I agree with the, me- like, yeah, like, poaching is wrong, and, yeah, we should respect nature, we're harming it too much, like, the- of course, like, the messages are so basic and simple, and I don't disagree with them, but I think they're just done in maybe such an overhanded way that it just feels a little, I, I don't know, not interesting or not entertaining when it's too it's black so... and white.
0: It's too black and white. It's too like it's too I mean, this side's bad and this side's it's too blue and white. Okay, sorry, blue and white. It's too okay. blue and white. Uh, that one it, side that... is good and one side is bad and that's it. Yeah.
1: But I don't disagree like I don't disagree that harming nature is bad. That's what I don't I I, I, I don't fully understand what it is about these like these movies that I just can't care about. Like I I love the world. I love seeing people enjoy nature and like living in tune with it. Like I agree with all that. Like that's great. I, I don't think corporations should be, you know, hurting nature and harming animals. Like it's it's terrible. Like but there's something about these movies where I'm like, yeah, but I don't want this movie to be the spokesperson for it. I don't know why I, I think these are fine films. Lost. I think it's because it, the
0: message gets lost in the spectacle, you know. Like it, it doesn't seem like the point of it is to really spread those messages it's just sort of using it as you know it's like it's it's pocahontas on steroids it's yeah it's basically just using it to show us this spectacle and i guess that's fine because i said yeah. it right off the top we're going to avatar for spectacle we're going to yeah. see cool imagery and it does land uh on that point i just wish that there was a little bit more nuance in the characters and i wish there was a little bit more like you know originality in the plot because you know we talked about yeah. the first film was basically pocahontas this one yeah. i guess
1: it's this Pocahontas. It's a new one, world. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one, this one is more original. Like, you care about the kids, you get to know the kids, like their struggles. Which again, like it's all it's all these same tropes you see in a new kids trying to fit in. Like it's it's so like tropey that I think maybe that's why it gets a little sometimes it, it just feels like it's not interesting because you're like, I've seen this a million times. I know exactly what's gonna happen, and it it's not giving me anything new. And even like the whole the way of water like what is the way of water like they just said like something
0: they're... about being one with their yeah you're, it's, the it's you're about
1: done. like the way of water is light and darkness the way of water is life and death I'm like is that it's it everything it's all is that the it. best is that the best dialogue we got to describe like why we need nature so much and why we like I guess it's show don't tell but man when they do tell I just wish there was a little more no not not to make a water pun but a bit more depth uh, <laughs> I will say it's very fine to me that the Navi who lived and evolved in the forests are blue, and the Navi who lived and evolved in the water are green. That was also
0: the ones who live in the was water. A- developed- curves mike <laughs> that was ironic to me that i'm like wait
1: so the ones who live in the green the green environment are all blue and the ones that live in the blue environment are all green got it they have, like, they have,
0: it's like the, the 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 navi in the woods are basically indistinguishable between you know the female male and female in a lot of ways and then the ones in when you get to the water it's like oh they have like they're busty like what yeah. is there better nutrients <laughs> in the water or what what is it you know it was like maybe that was just a i think it the color thing was just a Help us differentiate between the two tribes. Yeah, you know? um, but overall,
1: you know, I liked this movie. I cared oh, yeah, about. I, I cared about I the characters. I cared about the whales. You know, I, whales, I enjoyed man. it. I liked it better than the first one, and I, I definitely want to see where the story goes. And if he does do like, oh, we're now going to go to the desert tribe or the 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 fire tribe or the, the mountain, the cold winter mountain tribe. Like, I'm up for it. Like, I want to see what these people do. To me, the real talent I mean, yes james cameron of course and like the actors all do a fine job but every single like cgi artist on this movie like that's who we should really celebrate because that's who we went to go see this movie for it wasn't the writers it wasn't even james cameron it was all the cgi artists that's who we should be celebrating because they are yeah. the ones making us care so and congratulations capture. to them
0: most, the mocap technology is just unbelievable at this yeah. point uh, I mean, the way that yeah. their faces are emoting and you can see the actors in the in the navi and just they're all you can see every facial movement that they're doing i mean it's it's pretty incredible technology and yeah it's yeah scary. we're gonna cry it's, on it about it's, we're gonna...
1: it's scary how real this looks you're like oh man like my yeah. brain can't tell what's not like my i know this isn't real but my brain can't tell me it's not real anymore
0: that's scary Especially when you see it in IMAX 3D, holy crap! Yeah, I
1: saw I saw it in 2D and I thought it was fine. I don't I don't really do that. I don't do the IMAX stuff, but 2D 2D it does look good. So if you do want to go see it, like yeah, I guess maybe IMAX is the way. But 2D 2D was still very enjoyable for me. Did you see it? You saw it in IMAX?
0: Yeah, I did. I I didn't really want 3D, but that's the only option they had in my theater. So uh, okay. I mean it. it i think the movie pops even without it but it was actually literally popping at you uh Mm. with the 3d so it was a pretty cool experience and yeah we can gripe about character development we can gripe about the script we can gripe about you know a thin plot but ultimately you're going to see avatar for the spectacle and it delivers on that level yeah Um, absolutely and so i give it an 8 out of 10 uh yeah i'd give
1: it a i'd give it an a minus like minus for like the story and characters, but like everything else, it's just so overwhelmingly good. You're like, yeah, eh, like one one of the most impressive film films ever made. So that's gotta be worth something. a uh, technical
0: standpoint, without question.
1: And um, go see if you're gonna see this, like seriously, go see it in a movie theater. If you feel if yeah. you feel safe yeah. or comfortable, whatever. Cause like if you're gonna see a movie on a big screen, this is yeah. the movie, this is the movie you wanna see on a big screen
0: absolutely it's it's like dune it's like top gun it's there's certain movies where you just have to go see it in the theater it's not going to hit the same so uh, definitely recommend doing that but that's avatar the way of water Uh, i would say mostly lives up to expectations and it is i think it i remember reading that it had to be like the second or third uh most lucrative film of all time to break budget and it's doing that it just passed a billion dollars so yeah uh, it's working. Good job, James Cameron. You only come out with a movie once every decade, but you hit it when you do. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, well done. I just... <laughs> um, okay, well, that's going to do it for today's New Year's Eve episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. My coffee is gone. I have one more sip of my uh, my old-fashioned here to drink in, Audre, in honor of Podrick and Sonny Colm Larry that are hanging out in the pub there on Um But, Mike, uh, have a good New Year's. It, it, you didn't tell me. You got plans tonight? Are you... Uh, you uh just just popping some champagne or yeah
1: yeah just hanging out with Catherine and with my sister and some friends and just just doing a, a chill house thing and hanging out and yeah i don't I, I'm, I'm getting too old to go out on new year's man it's just it's not for me there's nothing wrong with well, it. i have it's a daughter not... now so i can't yeah. go
0: anywhere but <laughs> yeah
1: what are you what are you doing you even you care just staying home with the baby
0: family's coming over a couple friends are coming over probably play some games watch these football games and just sort of hang out for the most part but uh hey 2023 is here, and with that, we have successfully recorded a podcast in every month of Ooh. 2022. Nice work, Mike. We'll be back soon. There's a lot more films out there that we need to review and check into. Yeah. We'll get Oscar nom soon. There's, I mean, at this time of year, there's a lot coming out, so it's hard to yeah. stay on top of everything, but these were the four films we re- reviewed today were four films that I really wanted to talk about, so I'm glad we made time here today, and uh, yeah, it should be good. We'll keep pressing on into 2023, which, believe it or not, Mike, will be the fifth year We've been doing this podcast 2023. Wow. So,
1: how, uh, when, yeah. when did, when did I join? When did I start doing it?
0: I think the first one I had you on was like 20 or 19. I think I had you on. And then full time, you started in like 21, I want to say, last year. Um, but I don't know. I'll, I'll go back and look. We'll check it out, but it's been a, it's been a fun road. It's been a fun ride. I love that we have someone who's yeah, just as nerdy and willing and eager to talk about these films in depth as I am. So uh, cheers to you, buddy. Uh, it's been a good year. I've enjoyed talking about movies with you this year um, and there's been some good ones. So I uh, appreciate it. Well, I don't think I'll, we'll come out with a top 10 list, but I maybe I'll mention my top 10 on the pod next time, but we'll be back in, in 2023 and appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, you can, again, old episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, other places, and our Facebook page is the Second Day Film Podcast. So for Mike Nichols, I'm Brandon Champion. Mike, happy 2023. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, uh, buddy.
0: For film fans, happy New Year to all of you. We will talk to you next time. And uh, thank you for listening to the Second Day Film Podcast. And until next time, in 2023, we'll see you at the movie.